Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. My name is Chris Anderson. I am like the Swiss Army Knife of Crossroads Church, next generation pastor. Whatever needs to get done, we try to get it done. And I am super excited to come today to teach because I'm usually always downstairs hanging with my middle school friends. I love Danny's kind of invitation to you to come like children today, you know, because I already fit that role because my wife's constantly telling me to stop acting like a middle school kid. And so it is just a joy and honor. Um, Yes, we're very excited for Vacation Bible School At the end of this service, at the completion of communion, just please stick around because we're going to assign some quick jobs as far as stacking chairs, moving chairs, so that we can flip this place as quickly as possible. And so just wait for that. Today, we're going to talk about family, life, the church, and the gospel. Now, a little fact about me. I'm dyslexic. And so whenever I think of my titles, I always do them like in this reverse order to some degree, but not completely. And so you're just going to have to stay with me. But when I look out at all the kids today, they're like, you know, they're looking at us like, what? There's no Sunday school? Like, I love the fact that they're like, what? We're not going downstairs. I'm like, we're doing something right because they do love to come downstairs. They do love to be in their environment. But what I want everybody to do right now is just stop Take a quick time out and just look around because this is the family of Jesus Christ. This is young and old and young and young and old and older. It's all of us together, right? I grew up in a church where we did Bible studies and Sunday school before church started and we always sat together. I mean, I must have drawn so many pictures throughout my childhood of just sitting and listening to Pastor Arnold teach. And it was amazing, you know, and then in today's world and with closing in spaces, you know, we have Sunday school while we're having church. But when I think of this, this is what I see. I see kids eating gummies. I see kids tugging on parents' pants. I see kids drawing. I see kids shoving gummies in between the chairs, all kinds of stuff, you know, because that is body life. And so what I want you to think about this morning is like, what are your family memories? Like, Sometimes when we think about family, we're like, oh, family. You know, two-week road trip to Florida, all six of us in the minivan. It's, it can be a little intimidating. You know, but when you think about family, I want you to think about, like, those moments. I'm looking at, I keep seeing Alana. And I'm like, when I think about you, I like, and your family, like, when your boys come home from college and dinner. You know, like, when I think about my family, I always think of, like, dinner. Like, when we sit down to do dinner. Even if it's chaotic, even if it's crazy, even if somebody's throwing shade and attitude like nobody's business, I'm just like in my happy place. Like it's family. It's my family. And so I want you to start there. I want you to think about your family. And I want you to think about your childhood. And then I want you to think about like that happiest moment, that happiest place You know, for me, it's like when my daughter Ambler just on a whim decides to make fresh bread. She can do that, you know, and then dinner's getting ready and you can smell the bread baking and one of the kids is filling up the glasses, you know, because we have assigned jobs and it's just this moment and I'm like, we're coming to the table. 
We're coming to be together in family. And it just warms my heart. But more than anything, it connects me to God, like family. Because today we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. But we're going to start with Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And in Genesis 1, it's the first family. It's where it all started. It's, it's where it all began. You know, they're having this conversation in verse 26. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, and he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and over the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And that's where it all started, like that first family, you know, like that first Two people coming together, doing life together. They have an assignment from God to just live and multiply and grow and bring God's presence into everything. And that is like such a beautiful story. Because sometimes when I think of my family, I think of just pure dysfunction. And I'm the family pastor here. And sometimes you're like, oh my goodness. And then I'm like, and I'm leading it. So who's the most dysfunctional? That would be me. That's why my wife's like, Stop acting like a middle schooler. But you got to get this. Like in the very beginning, family was perfect. Family was sweet. Family was this, this thing that God created. And God said, it is good. He said, it's good. This is family. And that was his plan. That was his vision. And then as most of us know, like then something happened. The, the earth kind of tilted a little bit on a shift. And, and sin entered the world, and dysfunction came in. And then maybe there was some dysfunction in the family. If we look at Adam and Eve's children, one of them commits murder on his own brother. This dysfunction happens, and that set everything in motion. I mean, for us today, we still live in that fallen world, but for so many of us, we're new, we're restored, we've been redeemed but then we look around and we're like, oh, it's just a mess. I mean, there are some times that like, I'm like, Lord, is there any hope? Not for the world, but just for me and my family. But then he always comes to me and he's like, yes, you have all the hope you need because you have me. And so this morning, as we look at family, we're going to bridge it all the way to this family, this church body. Whether you're visiting, whether it's your first time, whether you're online, this is our church body. This is family. And then we have our immediate family. And some of us are still maybe waiting for our immediate family to grow because we've left home and we're not married and we don't have kids yet, but we have a family. And so when we look at the beginning, we see that God created family and he said it was good. And then we move into the redemption and so we jump all the way from Genesis and we go all the way to the book of John. And one of the kids, I'm pretty sure, said this memory verse this morning. John 3, 16. We're going to go all the way through 18. 
And this is God's plan because he's like, I made something and it was good. It was perfect. I said it was good. It was family. It was people coming together. It was people growing and living in peace. But then something happened. The fall. Sin entered the world. And things got sideways. And so God brings us in John 3.16, he brings us this incredible, incredible promise and this incredible section of scripture. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whomever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the plan. This is redemption. You know, when I have those moments of like, and I'm, I'm like a really hopeful person. Like I just live in hope, you know, and I just love to spread hope. But when, you, when I have those moments, I have to go back to God's plan. God's hope for us. You know, when I look at kids in Sunday school, when I look at my middle school friends, when I look at my high school friends that I work with, there's so much hope still in them. It's like the world hasn't beat them up. They haven't faced some of those challenges. And for us today, I just want to encourage you, like, there is so much hope in knowing Jesus. In knowing Jesus, in having a relationship with Jesus, this is our hope. This is God's plan. It's redemption. And so I just want to encourage you, like when you think about family life, and let me tell you what, I've been working in this church for 20 years. It's the only church I've ever worked in. And this church has had to have some times of redemption because we're a family and things get cloxy and funky and upside down and there's confusion and the world outside creeps into our family. I mean, it happens every day at my house because my kids leave the house. They go to school, they come home and maybe there's some clunkiness, you know, and you got to remind them like, no, remember we have hope. You know, we have this cool family creed and my youngest Bergen loves to read it. Like if there's dysfunction in the family, she'll go jump on the couch. Be like, I'm reading the creed. You know, to kind of put us all back in place, right? And so there's, there's this hope. And so even in a church body, sometimes we need to apply the redemption plan and say there's hope. Like we are the body of Crossroads Church of Aspen. We are the church in Aspen. This is our family, young and old, all operating with one purpose, to be the body of Christ. And we mess it up because things creep in. And so redemption, when you think about your own family, I mean, it's like, man, there's so much redemptive work. Like my brother will call me and be like, yo, bro, yes, I know mom has short-term dementia. She doesn't remember anything after 30 seconds. I'm like, yes, bro, I know, I know. We've talked about this, yeah, I know. And he's like, yeah, bro, but she does recognize it when you don't call her. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, okay. And then my wife's always like, now, Chris, God can redeem that because even when you call her in the amount of time that you talk to her, you're bringing her joy. You know, because sometimes I'm just like, she won't even remember that I called. She doesn't, you know, I mean, she still knows all of us. I mean, it's really a short-term dementia. 
Like you can go into a nursing home and be like, hey, hugs, hugs, walk outside, go for two minutes, come back in and relive the moment. You know, and so it's this process of taking it from the short term and reminding her enough till it goes long term. But there are just some things that God has already redeemed. He's like, Betty, my mom, you'll remember when your son calls you. And you'll remind his brother when he doesn't call you. <laughs> and so we have to be redeemed, you know. And so this redemption plan covers everything, Okay. We have a saying in middle school that the gospel changes everything. And then when a kid comes to me with any kind of problem or confusion about anything, I'm like, you know what the answer is? And he's like, the gospel. You know what the answer is? And she's like, the word, the gospel. The gospel is the answer and the solution and the salve and the ointment for anything that we face. So if you're facing hopelessness, the gospel is the answer. If you're facing like overwhelming pressures from the world and work and and things that you can't even figure out the gospel is the answer i think for so long we've locked the gospel down to its salvation it is salvation but it's the complete answer for everything and so when i think about our kids like all i want to show them is the gospel's the answer the gospel's the answer and then you know like if we have a kid i work with dan dangler in young life and, you know, as we've journeyed over the last 20 years, it's like when we, when we have kids, like we've learned and had God show us how to show them how the gospel is the answer for every problem. Not just for the problem of salvation, for eternal life, but like, hey, I'm really struggling in school. Well, let's see, like, are you managing your time well? Are you disciplining yourself? Are you asking God to help you? No, no, no. And no. And so then it's like, let's, let's work with you on that. Because for us who are living in the hope of the gospel, the gospel is what we apply to our friends and it gives us time. It gives us energy. It gives us a reliable source, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit to go for answers. And so we're always there. And so when you think about that in your own personal family, are you always there? Are you ready to help? Are you ready to serve? Are you ready to come alongside and step in? I mean, I have like a family of five plus me and that's six. And we are like a scary army that can just get things done. And I am so thankful for that. Because in my job, I can become so overwhelmed from children's ministry all the way to high school. And anything else that needs to get fixed or controlled here in the building so i like come home just before easter with like you know probably close to like 1500 eggs that are empty with probably about 80 pounds of candy and i don't even have to say a word and my kids are already on it and neighborhood kids are coming because they're like hey Kaya, come over you gotta help us fill up eggs can we eat the candy daddy won't hold candy back from us if we help him you know And it's like, boom, and it's like, you know, in like two hours, all the eggs are filled, and I'm like, check that one off my production list, you know? If we have to go somewhere and set something up, they just come alongside. But we still have dysfunction. We still have those moments, and we have to apply the gospel. We have to apply God's plan to fix, to salve, to carry over in our hearts first 
so that our hearts as we come to people are soft, pliable, and compassionate, ready to deliver the hope of Jesus. And so when we take a jump forward, we go to the master plan. So we're going to jump over into the book of Acts. And this is a section that, you know, all churches love, like pastors love this, this verse in this section when they're talking to their, to the congregation, to the body of Christ. And so we're looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And this is called and entitled The Fellowship of the Believers. And so when you think about that, like how do we fellowship? How do we live life together as the church? And it starts off in 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wondrous signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. And I, I love this because... They had favor with all people. They didn't just have favor with the family here. Like, I've seen this body do amazing things. Somebody comes with a need, and you don't even know where it came from, and the need was met. You know? And nobody wants, you know, high fives or anything. It just happens. There have been times where, you know, my minivan service tech, who I've gotten to know over the years, Elizabeth, she's like, Hey, Chris, are you sitting down? No. I mean, you, you were doing an oil change, and it had that rattle. Yeah, are you sitting down, Chris? I'm like, no. Sit down, Chris. I'm like, okay, I'm sitting. And she's like, your lifter spring on number six broke. That's never supposed to break, Chris. And I'm like, you, you know we paid off the minivan last year. Yes, I know it's paid for, Chris. I'm like, how much? 8500 Two days of work, we have to remove the entire engine. So, you ready to sell it? I'm like, we just paid it off last year. <laughs> and I, I, I told two people my predicament. And a week before that, one of my friends had been praying. Like, and he said, he heard God say, hey, start gathering money for the Hendersons. They're going to need it. And then we were at lunch, and I was telling him the news, and he's like, oh. And then he was like, are you going to be at the office after lunch? I was like, nope. But then my meeting got canceled, so I was at the office. And he comes walking in, and I call it the white envelope because I've had, like, several of these delivered. And he just shows up, and he's like, you weren't supposed to be here. And I'm like, is that a white envelope? And he was like, Yeah. And it had the exact sum that we needed. So we were able to keep our minivan that we had paid off. And it didn't hurt us one bit. And that, that, that's the family. I mean, call it supernatural or call it just people doing what needs to be done to live in community. 
And, and I mean, this is where we get into this master plan. The master plan has been corrupted by the people outside sometimes and corrupted by the thief. You know, the enemy, we got one, and his name is Satan. That's our only enemy. There's no others. There's no other enemy. There's only one. And he'll corrupt us to think in our own hearts, I can't tell anybody what I need. I can't share what I'm going through. I can't share the pain I'm feeling. I can't do that. This is mine to bear. And that corrupts the master plan. There's only one enemy who does that. And that's the thief. And he does it in our own hearts in the sense that we won't share what we need. So nobody can help us. And that is so messed up. Think about it this way. Like, what if you had a major problem and you didn't share it with your own family? You didn't share it with your own family. And I'm not saying we dump everything on our kids. But we got to share. Because the master plan is that we live in fellowship. That we all tend to everybody's common needs. If somebody has a need, it gets met. And then if more people come, because they're like, wow, you go to that church and they'll help meet your needs, bring them on. Because that's where God comes in. He's just going to keep multiplying what we need through our generosity to help whoever shows up. It don't matter who they are. It don't matter where they vote. It don't matter what they believe. They need help. They come here. They meet Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, and their life is forever changed. And they're part of this family, and this family just keeps growing. That's the master plan. And it all started in Genesis with the first family who was living in that mindset. And then the sin came in, and the fall happened, and our one enemy took advantage of us. And then in John 3, 16, God redeemed it and restored it. And this isn't just a pretty picture of just communal living, because none of y'all want to live with me, because I don't want any of y'all to see, like, the full ugliness of our family sometimes. Like, it would be like, y'all would be like, oh, my gosh, why do they keep him on staff, right? Like, oh, my goodness. You know, he raised his voice at the dinner table. And, and, and if I get out of line, my sweet Karis right there, she will call me out. She is my accountability partner. Like, she will let me know. Like, hey, Daddy, I really think you were just, you were just out of line on that one. And I was like, yeah, I know. I know. You know, and I'm her homework buddy, and she just teaches me everything about everything that they're learning because all of a sudden they have new math. Like, 2 plus 2 still equals 4, but there's 13 ways to get there. You know? And so when you think about it, this master plan of God is accountability. It's life. You know, it's, it's my buddy Carl over there texting me like, hey, bro, my garage spring just broke. Do you know anybody who works on garages? And I'm like, bro, like, yeah, you know how many middle school students have asked me like, hey, do you know somebody who can work on garage springs because my door won't open? I'm like, no. Nah. You know, but I was able to connect him to somebody else. And I'm thinking they got it fixed because they got the car out of the garage. They're here, you know. <laughs> you know, and so that, that's, that's community. Like, do we have that? Are we living that? And so when we keep moving forward, we're going to jump back to Joshua 24, 15. I call this the decision, okay? Because in order for us to live in community, in order for us to be followers of Christ who live with one common vision, one common goal, and we do that for ourselves, we do that for our community, 
And we do that for our children. Whether you have children or don't have children, we all have children because we're all the family. I mean, I see so many couples here who their children, you know, grew up in the youth ministry here, but they're going and living their lives, but they still have children. They still, because there's children here and we're one family. And so in Joshua 24, 15, this section, Joshua's laying it out. Like, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? He's like, I am now in charge. I'm, I'm calling you out. And he's calling out the Israelites to make a decision. And he gives them all of their options. He's like, you can do this. You can go over there. You can stay here. Some of us are crossing over. We're going to go do it. You know, but you decide what you're going to do. And then he says this at the end of verse 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. In our family creed, uh, the first line is God is first and God is last. Everything processes through the filter of God. Like it, it starts there and it ends there. Everything else just kind of leads us to how is he directing us, right? But it starts with God. And so Joshua is saying, you've got to make a decision. We can be a follower of Christ. We can go to church every Sunday. We can tithe. We can help out with VBS. But we still may not have made a decision that we will follow God. You know, there's this definition that I've been kicking around that I've been listening to on character. And it says that character's boiled down definition is this. When you live in compliance with God and what he instructs you to do, even if it costs you greatly. Like costs you greatly. And so at some point we have to make this decision that as for me and my family, we will follow God. We will serve God. We will follow God. We will be at church. We will do what people do in our family. And if you hadn't figured it out, we're ending early. So stay with me. All right. So I want to hit you with some action points. Okay. Just some simple things to think about and to process. When you think about family life, the church, and the gospel, how the gospel is the the salve, the the cure, the fix for everything. Like, I I challenge you this week, it's not on the board, but when you have a problem this week, when a conflict arises, when something comes upon you, think about the gospel. Think about John 3.16. Think about what Jesus did. Think about how he's living it and how he's passing it on to us. And then see if your problem your crisis, your situation can't be fixed through Jesus, through the gospel. I lean on him all the time. Andy, you're watching online, you're camping in Fruta. When I was borrowing your projector to put the images on the screen to make something that's very special back there for VBS, I knocked it off the table. The autofocus wouldn't focus. It's like one of those fancy, fancy projectors. Like if you stand in front of it, it like moves it to another wall. It just knows. So yeah. <laughs> there you go, bro. But <laughs> the autofocus wasn't working. And, and then it was so out of focus. Like, you know, I'm in settings, but I can't see which one's manual focus. So I can kind of figure out and do some trouble shot. And, and, and I only had like, Another hour left with my oldest daughter. She was doing the cutting of all the foam. And I'm like, I've got to get these things done so she doesn't leave because she's got to study for exams. I don't want to lose my labor. 
And then I just leaned on the pole downstairs, and I was like, God, I'm leaning. I am leaning on you. And then, Andy, it made this sound. And then the focus came back. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. The gospel can handle anything when you lean in on him. Because I was like, I cannot afford this. I might have enough line of credit to cover it. I don't know. You know, and so it was crazy, but I just leaned in on God. That's a slogan I have. God, I'm just leaning in. I'm leaning in. I'm done. I've messed things up, and I'm leaning in. And yeah, it worked. And then I unplugged it, powered it down, powered it up, powered it down, powered it. I must have done probably like 98 tests, Andy. But if anything goes wrong, you just let me know, okay? Because I'm good for it. But maybe, you know, in six months. So, action points. Live in the gospel. That's what I just described. Like lean into God anytime you need something. Lean into Jesus. Lean into the Holy Spirit. Lean into those relationships and say, God, I'm leaning in on you. God, I messed up bad today. I'm leaning in on you. God, you know, things are not just working right now. I'm leaning into you. Live in the gospel. I've heard it said that, you know, every morning we should preach the gospel to ourselves. Remind ourselves that Jesus Christ paid for everything. Jesus Christ came to heal a broken world. And I'm part of that world, so then I am healed. I'm still going to mess up, but I am healed. And so live in the gospel. Live in boldness, okay? Boldness of, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for what, how I make decisions, I'm going to process it through God. Live in boldness. Live in hope. Live in hope. That is like such the strongest thing we have in the gospel is hope. Hope that he has us. Hope that everything is going to work out. Hope that he's going to bring peace to us. Hope that anything that's broken can be fixed. Hope. Live in bold. If you live in hope, you are being bold. And People need hope. So be bold. Live to serve. Service, like live to serve. I missed my calling as a hospitality major. You know, if you watch Friends, I'm Monica. I just want to host a party. I don't care what I have to do. And if everybody's having a good time, I'm happy, right? Like just come to my house and just be happy and I'm going to be happy. And so I love to serve. It's like hospitality. It's just go, go, go. It's like, what do you need? You know, kids in the high school breakfast, they look at me like I'm crazy because I'm, I'm like, I'm like, can I get you something else? Well, sure. Yeah. Can you give me a couple pancakes with, you know, maple syrup? Sure. You know, and I serve from the right and I pull from the left. I learned that from the Snowmass Conference Center back in the day right? You know, and they're looking at me like I'm taking their plates. And I'm like, yeah, no, I got that. And I'm picking up the trash, you know. I haven't gone as cool as getting one of those little white plastic things and scraping crumbs off the table. But maybe that's for next year, Dan, you know. And, and so, yeah, so service. Like when somebody is served, you're saying you're valuable. When somebody is served, you're saying I care. When somebody is served, you're saying you matter. And the world needs that. And we've been called to be servants. In our family creed, it says that the Henderson family serves. We lead through service. And we practice serving so that we will be ready to lead someday. And so service is everything in that. 
Live in community. This is community. I mean, Alyssa even put it on our chalkboard because we're going to bring the chalkboard up at some point. It's going to be out in the cafe house, coffee house. Alyssa's going to have a Sharpie for you to sign up for Sunday school. There you can serve. But she put on there like a whole other little column because we did it last season for activities. And then I was thinking, well, we need to plan some activities. I know. And so, like, we did that when we were doing this parenting class. Like, we were like, okay, we're going to get together as parents, and we're going to teach parenting, and we're going to study from this guy, and then we're going to come and discuss it. And then we were like, let's have a sledding day. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. You know, and in my brain, I'm like, that's awesome. Let's put cameras everywhere. Let's get Luke on the scene. Because sledding at the ark can jack up parents' amygdala. Total fear, you know, because sleds are going everywhere. You're waiting for somebody to get creamed, you know, and then we're going to see, like, are they following our parenting advice? Are they staying calm? Are they saying, oh, you're hurt? Oh, no. Okay. You know, no problem, buddy. You know, and so, yeah, and so we did these fun gatherings. And so we're going to bring that this summer. And we're going to invite the body, the family, not just those with family. I got, he's here somewhere. Mr. Don Chenault. Where are you? He was here. here. Oh, there he is. He's way back in the corner. So like Don, man, he loves family. And he just showed up to the sledding day. He's sledding. I'm like, bro, you know, you're going to break a hip, you know. (laughs) And at our age, breaking a hip, that's kind of the end game, you know. And so, yeah. And so, you know, it's just awesome, like, because family is family. And this is community. But it is so easy especially if you live here year-round, to not live in community. To not live in community. We like to say, oh, Aspen, it's that small town, hometown feel. But man, it's easy to like go skin by yourself. It's easy to go ski by yourself. It's easy to go do almost anything here by yourself. Or maybe just with one or two others. But when we talk about community, we're talking about like the big picture, like inviting people, being open. You know, this, this place is crazy because so many of us just have to peck and grind away to stay here to where when we get a moment to do something, we're like, no, I'm going to be selfish with that. He really slow. He's a slow mountain biker, you know, and his bike's old. So something's going to break and then I'm going to have to fix it. So I got, I got two hours today to go mountain biking. It's just for me, you know, and it's like, that's not community. And so we have to open our minds to that. We have to live in community. And we started here every Sunday, you know. Every Sunday morning, this is community. This is our time, you know, not to steal from the old people's dating app, our time. This is our time. This is our time to be community, right? And then, you know, we're fixing to go back to two services, which is always like a community splitter, you know, because you got like, Oh, they're the first service people, and then those are the second service people. Yeah, we don't talk to them. No, Johnny, get in the car. You know, you know, and so we really want to, you know, we really want to encourage like that time in between. You know, like if you came to first service, then grab an empanada, hang out. If you get too loud, maybe or I may be like, Psh, go outside. They're worshiping. A little reverence. Well, I already worship. I know. Go outside, right? But we got to connect with each other. We've got to know each other. And here's the stress point. Living in community is Huxley snoring and Brooks going to wet himself because he's laughing so hard. 
But living in community is this. This is the stress point. When you have a problem, when something is pressing you on all sides, you let people know. You don't do it alone. Because community in the good times, throwing frisbees, eating hot dogs, sledding at the ark, doing that, that's easy. Community hits its stress point. When you're like, I'm really struggling right now. And I've, I've got, I, I got community. I mean, I'm the squeaky wheel here, man. If something's not going right here, Steve knows about it. Mady knows about it. Derek knows about it. You know, Dan knows about it. I'm squeaky. My wife, I mean, yeah, I let people know. And then I feel so supportive, you know. And so the stress point, community cannot be lived in if you are walking with problems and you're not sharing it with the community. Danny, come on up. Believe it or not. 10.07. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're just going to get Danny up here. He's got to, you know, address his microphone. Give it up for Dan Dangler. This brother has served this community forever. He was serving this community when he was in high school. I look young for my age. He does look young for his age. You know, I'm only 10 years older than him. He's got a little more stress. Um, <laughs> Gray is a biblical for it's biblical. a good life. A good life. If you want to yeah, look it up. There you go. If you want to look it up. It good just means good life. Good but, he, but he has served, and he knows community. And he has fellowship because he, he works for Young Life. And so we've partnered. And I mean, I remember the first time we had a meeting, we shook hands and said, I'm a youth pastor here and you're Young Life. And in some communities, those kind of butt heads. And we shook hands and said, we'll never fight over a student and we'll never claim that a child is our, part of our group until every kid in this valley knows Jesus. We haven't made that happen. We're working at it, but we don't, we don't fight. What's that? They keep having kids. Well, I know. Yeah, I know. I know. My job just keeps recycling. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Danny's going to take us into worship. I'm going to lead us into communion. Okay, this is a privilege. This is an honor that Jesus paid for. And he shared it with his closest of friends. And he broke the bread and he took the wine and he said, do this in remembrance of me. I grew up Church of Christ, and on the front communion table, it said, do this in remembrance of me. And I remember growing up really young going like, what did that mean? And then it was done in that really cool font. But we love it here at Crossroads. Like, this, this is a reflective time, a time to say, like, God, I want to live in the gospel. I want to live and be bold. I want to live to serve, and I want to live in community. This is a time for you to prepare your heart. The Bible's very... The words written around this table tell us that we should consider and think, who are we and what is my relationship with God? You know, and that we don't come and just take as if we were at a party, but we come and we take as if we were at a party. Because after we take that reflection, we're like, God, you got me. You've got me. I confess this week I was short. I was running fast. I was always in a hurry, but you got me. This week, we started today. This is the first day of the week, not Monday. Monday's like already, you know, three days in for me. This is the first day. Sundays are my favorite day. But we come to this table here 
together as family. And so like if you want to get like a group and circle, look each other in the eye. If you want to be like, I don't know your name. That's okay. You can say, I don't know your name. What's your name? Hey, I'm so-and-so. And then we take communion together. Now, we're also free. Like if you're reflective, if God's touching your heart, and you want to take your cracker and the juice and go back to the chair, do that. But we come to the table. And so I'm going to pray. Dan's going to take us into our next song. And then the communion table will be open. And then I'm just going to ask you to be patient with me. Okay? Because when he lands this song, I'm going to come back up. I'm going to close this in prayer. I'm going to pray for our VBS week. Because there are so many kids who need to hear about Jesus. And it is not just our kids. I mean, I got Meg Dangler. Like, she's like, I got every elementary kid you know, parent, teacher there, like they're, you know, it is kids that might not have an opportunity to hear the gospel or to know that Jesus loves them. And so I'm going to pray for that. And then I'm going to ask y'all for some help. So just kind of stay with us. We're like way early. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for community. We thank you for family. Lord, I thank you and praise you for your word because your word is true. Your word is real. And the gospel is the answer for everything. And so, Lord, as we come to the table today, let us come with a spirit of rejoice and joy because we know that you have covered everything, everything that we will face. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.